0: Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode number 119. Had to think about it for a second. I'm your host, Derek Moore. This week, we're going to be talking about what Fed tapering possibilities there are. What, What would the Fed do if they actually tapered? And believe it or not, they're doing something already. We'll talk about that. We touched on it last week when I explained what reverse repurchase agreements were. So a lot of talk about inflation, and we still don't know whether inflation is transitory or not, whether it's just a supply-side issue with the supply chain, uh, things like that. Or um, there's a lot of, you know, I would just say the Fed and different central banks, they've been trying to get inflation up and going for a long time. We seem to have been in a long, long period of uh, deflationary period. So that's maybe another Subject. But somebody was asking me, they said, hey, what would the Fed, what would tapering look like? And what are all the different types of things that the Fed could do? And I'll explain what they mean by tapering. And I might as well just do that now. When we said the Fed tapering, currently they're doing quantitative easing. Well, they haven't called it that, but you know, they're buying over $100 billion of bonds every month. So Quantity the reverse of you know easing. Uh, when they ease, you put more money into the system. The Fed uh, goes ahead and they buy bonds or they lower interest rates. They do a number of things, um, you know. And and uh, anyway, so all right. So here's where we stand right now. The Fed funds rate today. They they used to just give a, a simple you know one number now it's a range it's 0 to a quarter point so 0 to 0.25% and that's the fed funds is the banks uh, the rate that banks can borrow from each other at the fed funds rate the fed discount rate that's where banks borrow from the fed that's a quarter point that's just one the effective fed funds rate remember i said it was a, a range last time i checked was uh, 0 You know, 0.06%, so six basis points. And that's really the market rate of the Fed funds, Okay, The reverse repo rate is zero. The four-week T-bill rate is Mm 0.01%. And, you know, just as an aside, the average rate the US government currently pays on all the existing marketable treasury debt that's out there, right? So the treasury, US government borrows money. They issue bonds to to fund that. They're only paying about one point four eight five percent. So, again, I, beyond the scope of what we'll talk about here, but oh, maybe, maybe not. But uh, you know, the idea is if if interest rates ever rose materially, the interest on our debt would would also rise materially. So we've never had as much debt as we have now. Although the payments, the net interest payments, have not quite, um, you know reach new highs because the rates keep coming down and down. All right. So when we say taper. It means take some of the easy money, for lack of a better term, out of the system. It means doing things that uh, make money harder to come by. Uh, a lot of times, the Fed does stuff to either lower rates or, or raise rates, either from a market perspective or just simply raising or lowering the rate. And the first thing, they're actually doing this right now. If you want to go back and listen, I won't explain what reverse repos are. I did that last week's episode. So I'll go ahead and, and listen to episode 118. But the Fed is currently doing this. So I would, I would say, uh, right now, if you look at auctions for like four-week Treasury bills or really, really short-duration Treasury bills, those have been oversubscribed. And I think what happened there was bills started trending down, they actually got to the zero bound, and the Fed comes in and does reverse repo operations, basically exchanging treasuries that are on their balance sheet for uh, excess liquidity or cash from the banking system. It goes on their balance sheet as a reverse repo, so their balance sheet actually doesn't change. But it looks to put a floor in interest rates at zero in the short-term markets. And they've been coming in with I think on their balance sheet right now it's over 600 billion, almost 700 billion. But they came up and these are overnight repurchase agreements. So I think they were going. There was ones over 500 billion. So they're doing that right now. The other thing along those lines, uh, there's also something called the IOER, and that's the interest on excess reserves. So that's currently 10 basis points, 0.1 percent. They they could raise that. There's been some talk about that, and that's the that's where if banks want to park cash, um, kind of on deposit with at the Fed, that's the rate that they uh, they can get. So I it seems like they'll they're going to be doing this for a while, and I think it's pretty clear. Um, I guess they the other thing they could do is issue more very short term bills. So I mentioned those four-week bills. I pull those up. Those are basically, you know, trading at zero percent. The reverse repo rate. The Fed entering that market puts a floor under that market. So they're doing that. The overnight re- uh, reverse repurchase agreements at zero percent. So they're sort of making sure the interest rates can't below the go below the zero bound. Uh, the second thing. So they're doing that. The second thing they could do is remember they during the. Uh, uh, the initial March, February, March, April period of 2020, they created something called the SMCCF. That was uh, a facility created by the Fed that would buy corporate bonds. They would buy, uh, they actually bought ETFs. So they own about $8.6 billion in ETFs, basically fixed income ETFs. So uh, I'll kind of touch on some of them. And then about $5.2 billion in corporate bonds. What's interesting, though, is I think it was authorized to do billions and billions of dollars of this. And they actually only wound up doing, uh, I don't know if this is the market value, uh, but it's about $13.8 between all that stuff. And that's sitting on their balance sheet right now. But I believe they, they were authorized to do something like $200 billion. I could be wrong on that. I have to go back and look. So the New York Fed say, said sales of the ETFs will start on June seventh, and the corporate bonds later this summer. And Reuters has said that the Fed will complete sales by the end of the year. So just to give you an idea of some of the things that are on the balance sheet, I mean, there, there's uh, investment grade corporate bonds. So I think AT&T had some bonds on there, different, different corporations. And then they also hold ETFs. So for example, LQD, that's the iShares Investment Grade Corporate Bond ETF. Um, there's intermediate corporate bond ETFs. There's some high-yield ETFs uh, like JNK, SJNK. Uh, there are Vanguard, let's see, a Vanguard Intermediate Term Corporate Bonds. So these are all corporate bonds. So yeah, they'll they'll start selling those. And what impact that, does that have any impact on the market? Unclear yet. Um, you know, taking a look uh, at LQD, there's, let's see how many they have there. Uh, LQD has about, uh, I'm just looking for the number of shares here. And that was the, uh, what did I say that was? The iShares. Look, I just had it. Hang on. But if if they sold, you know, every trading day through now through the rest of the year, um, they could sell. I think it's roughly one percent of the average daily volume of the last, you know, like sixty days. They could sell. So it's it's unclear whether that will have any impact. But they're not keeping those those assets on the balance sheet any longer. They're going to uh, start to exit that. So. Fed currently purchases, this is the third thing they could do, and the Fed currently purchases $120 billion a month in its asset purchase program, and of the $120 billion, it's split $80 billion of US treasuries, $40 billion of uh, mortgage-backed securities, and they could do something called operation switch, and that's keep the monthly purchases the same but reduce or eliminate mortgage-backed securities, and instead just focus on the treasuries. Um, I don't think there's been anything defined. So this is something they're not doing yet. But um, quote unquote, Operation Switch, I forget who called it that, would see him uh, you know, just focus on treasuries. And you know, the last meeting uh, where there was a press conference, Chairman Powell was actually asked why the Fed is still buying MBS. And a lot of people pointed to, um, it, not me saying this, but there were some, uh, you know, some talking heads on TV who said, "Look, he really didn't give a good answer," and not sure why they're still doing that. But anyway, um, they don't have to reduce that, but certainly they're they're continuing to purchase 120 billion of assets each and every month. So that is something they could do an operation switch on, switch more to treasuries, less and mortgage-backed securities. Um, they could also taper the asset purchase program. In other words, instead of doing $120 billion a month, they could decide, well, we're not going to do that much. We're going to do less. So this is kind of the fourth thing they can do. And reducing the level of monthly purchases, um, they could, for example, they could keep buying treasuries. They could decide to just stop buying MBSs altogether, uh, they could also just reduce it you know, proportionally and say, look, we're going to set a, a sliding target or a schedule of reductions of purchases by a certain date. And whenever that is in the future, they would set that and they would start to reduce it. So they're, they're not doing that, to be clear, yet. But they could. They could do that. The other thing, this is the fifth thing they could do, is they could, so let's assume they got rid of the, the uh, asset purchase program. And by the way, when, when people are talking about tapering, normally they when they say taper, that's what they're referring to. So I know that's kind of the fourth thing I'm talking about. But I think when you read that in the news, that's kind of what they're talking about. Now, the fifth thing they could do is maintain the balance sheet at current size. And... You know, to to give you an idea of what's on their balance sheet, uh, last time I looked, uh, it looks like there is about seven trillion on there. Uh, let me let me kind of pull up here and see. Yeah, it's about seven point three trillion and some change. And you know, when you're talking about trillions, what's a little change, right? So. And by the way, that that's broken down, just to give you an idea before I, I talk about maintaining the balance sheet, is US Treasuries, they've got about 5.1 trillion. They've got about 2.2 trillion in mortgage backed securities. They've got some other things on here. I did mention the reverse repo agreements. That's currently, or it was about 672 billion. But what they could do is they could say, okay. What we're gonna we're not gonna touch our balance sheet, and we're gonna maintain it at the same size it is. We're not gonna do any new purchases. As bonds mature on the balance sheet, basically you buy new bonds on a one for one basis. So as a bond matures, um, now it, it's probably worth saying worth touching on this. So the way it works is, you know, my understanding is. Basically, when the Fed purchases US Treasuries, uh, the Fed earns interest on those, although it's not that much, but they earn interest on that. They actually return or, or give that interest earned to the US Treasury. I mean, the US government, right? Goes into the Treasury. But let's say that they own a bond and it, and it matures. Well, what happens is at maturity, the US Treasury has to go ahead and return the principal, right? So if you have $1,000 worth of a, a 10-year bond, and you held it for 10 years, and it goes to to maturity, you've gotten your interest payments along the way. But then once it matures, the principal is due. Um, that is not returned to the the Treasury. And so uh, basically, because you know, the Treasury would have to take on more debt if they didn't issue new bonds to you know, issue the new bond, get that cash to pay off the old bond. So in this case, as the bond matures on the balance sheet, they'll buy new bonds on a one-for-one basis. And this this does present some opportunities for the Fed if they wanted to do a little bit of curve control, meaning at different maturities on you know, the curve of, of different US treasuries, Meaning they could they could buy thirty years they could buy ten years they could buy four weeks right so they don't you know it's a, if it's a ten year bond they don't necessarily have to replace it with a ten year and so yeah I mean that they could at, at the end if they were going to taper and they were going to pare back or eliminate the monthly asset purchase plan they could also just maintain the the balance sheet. Um, there is another way, and this is the sixth thing they could do: is they could let bonds mature with no rebuy. Meaning, you know, what I just described. Instead of the uh, the Fed just go ahead and basically, what happened is the the Treasury would pay the principal to the Fed. The Fed would, for lack of a better term, just shred the the money they get, just destroy it. Their balance sheet would be reduced. They wouldn't go ahead and re- and replace those bonds. I think that's a little bit unlikely, though, simply because, you know, the US Treasury doesn't have funds. You know, we run a deficit in the US. So that's a little bit unlikely, um, you know. And and just to give you an idea, though, about when stuff is maturing, uh, this is basically on, they call this the H4.1 report on the Federal Reserve site. And you can look at their balance sheet this was as of June 2nd of this year. So if you look at stuff that matures, I'm just looking at US treasuries now that matures in over 10 years, it's about 1.1 trillion. Remember this 5.1 trillion total. Five to 10 years is 928 billion. One to five years is 1.9 trillion. 91 days to one year is 643 billion. So let's just take that one little pocket. Let's say the stuff that's going to mature in you know 90 days to a year basically you know they could let if they let run off 643 billion the US Treasury would have to if they didn't rebuy other bonds uh, the US Treasury would have to write a check to the Fed um, that's highly unlikely okay but that's a report it's H.4.1 and you can take a look at that So the seventh thing that they could do is the Fed could sell assets to reduce the balance sheet, sell assets to reduce the balance sheet. And I'll go through all this stuff. And then I'll also talk about sort of the impact of some of these things. So basically, not just letting stuff mature and then not uh, rebuying something else, that would reduce the balance sheet, but they actually could go into the open market and hold a treasury that's not necessarily uh, maturing, but they could a treasury they hold, they can go ahead and sell that into the market. So that's something they could do as well. And finally, there's you know, all this stuff has been around assets so far, but they could also raise rates, uh, they could also lower rates, you know. although. They're at the zero bound. And so far, it doesn't seem like they really have an appetite to to do negative rates like the Swiss bank has done and and, uh, some of the other countries in Europe. But they could raise rates. And if you raise the Fed funds rate, um, if you raise the front end of the curve, and the Fed is more um, impactful on the front end of the curve, they can't control the back end of the curve quite as much at least not with raising or lowering rates, because the the rates that they raise are lower. We're all short term. So um, as of yet, though, it doesn't look looking at the Fed funds futures. And there's a quick way if you pull up a Fed funds future, and you want to get an implied Fed funds rate at that contract, you take 100 minus the Fed funds future. And so December of 21, that's uh, that's this year. Of course, this is June of 21. We're recording this. Uh, you do that calculation, it's uh, eight basis points, 0.08%. You go to December of 22, so that's the end of 22. And you do that calculation on that Fed Fund's future, and it's about 0.195%. And you go to February of 23, and... Uh, that future, I don't know how actively it's traded, so you know, take this with a grain of salt. But it's right about you know zero point two four percent, so at the upper bound uh, of the current Fed funds rate. And then if you look, uh, the CME, uh, Chicago Mercantile Exchange, where the Fed funds futures trade, they have a probability graph, and as of uh, today, there's a ninety three percent probability. And this is for the December 21 Fed meeting, that rates will stay exactly the same, and only a 7% probability they would raise them from 0 to 0.25 to 0.25 to 0.50. So at least the futures market so far is saying uh, they don't think um, there's going to be much of a, a raise on there. Now, all of this stuff. So we started out with, with the reverse repos. They're doing that now. The reason why I I think, uh, although you know who and I should say I I really don't know, you know stuff can change, day to day, week to week, and uh, you know I mean this is why with any of the strategies that I really prefer, it it's buying but but hedging. So you don't you're not trying to game the market any of the stuff. But I find it really interesting and I like to file sort of the macro. Uh, economic landscape and environment. But in the reverse repo, what they're doing is um, it seems like there were at rates on the front end really, really short end of the curve. Not only that, but the Fed funds rate, this, the uh, uh, SOFR rate, SOFR, which is the LIBOR replacement, which is now one basis point, so 0.01%. So by doing this in the reverse repo, they sort of set a floor. So they're already trying to make sure uh, that rates don't go negative, a little bit negative in the front end. So liquidating ETFs and you know corporate bonds, could that impact interest rates? Yeah. I mean, it is only 13800000000 billion. We'll have to see how that goes. They already told us they're going to do that. But the idea is, you know, if you sell something, bond prices go down, interest rates go up, and vice versa. So it will be interesting to see what that looks like. So that's that's not easing. That that's a, a little bit of, of tapering, right? Because they're actually getting rid of some stuff. Um, and then all the other stuff, you know, if they decide to cut back on the monthly asset purchases, uh, sure, um, that that could put some pressure on interest rates, and. Because now, you're taking out a, a pretty big buyer in the market. And same thing, if they were to actually sell stuff off the balance sheet, well, remember, the US federal government has a lot of debt. They have to continue to issue treasuries. And so if they're auctioning off treasuries, at the same time, you have a, a big player liquidating treasuries. Uh, remember, bond prices go down, rates go up. That could put a little bit of pressure on there. So. Look, I hope this was helpful. I mean, I, I wanted to go through, I've been getting some questions on this. And it just, I, I went in and I said, what are some of the different things and sort of the order of things that potentially might happen? Now, the Fed has a, a meeting coming up uh, another week or mid June, right? And so it'll be interesting to see what the press conference, what Chairman Powell says at the press conference. And then at the end of the the summer, I think it's August. They have sort of their annual powwow, uh, you know, meeting in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and where they're all all together. And a lot of times, some policy stuff comes out of that. It may may not at all. So the way, if you're interested in this stuff, uh, I'll put a couple links in the show notes. Uh, a lot of these things. I mean, all this the. The report I cited that H. uh h.4.1, right? If you Google that, or I'll put the link in, um, that's available. You can, you can look at their balance sheet. And the New York Fed is so there's different branches of the Federal Reserve. So the FOMC, or the Federal Open Market Committee, that's uh, Chairman Powell is the uh, the chairman, the vice chair is gonna be the the president of the New York Fed, and then there's different members who rotate. Not all the presidents of all the banks serve at all times on that committee. But the New York Fed, you know, so there's the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland, of Minnesota, um, San Francisco, but the New York Fed, uh, I think, is the only one that does trading. So they're the only ones that do the open market operations and things like that. So if you go to their site, they'll have a lot of information about different types of things like the SM uh, CCF, like the reverse repos, uh, you know. So that that's kind of where you look for those. All right. So look, uh, go ahead and share this. I always say, uh, rather than wasting time reading and reviewing, go ahead and share this. And uh, I've been getting questions like this. Remember, if if you have questions, uh, you know where to find me. And I will do episodes sometimes based upon questions I'm getting, and this was certainly a, a topic that I think you're going to be hearing a lot more of, both from the reverse repos. If you haven't listened to that episode last week, go ahead and do that. I explain what those are, uh, and I think hopefully once you listen to that, you'll you'll you're not going to be an expert on it, but you know you'll have a good working knowledge about what those are. Uh, but they've already said they're going to wind down this uh, this ETF and corporate bond balance sheet. So the next question is, uh, do they actually taper some of the the asset purchase program or not? And that will be some things to look for. All right, folks, we'll talk to you next week.